listeners. Welcome to The Haunting of Good Society, a Behold Her Studio production. While we're between Behold Her podcast episodes, we're following the tragic tale of the Cluett sisters, siblings estranged over a dark past and reunited over the wedding of their childhood friend and the mysterious Count Simon. But something is amiss. Will the sisters, former child detectives, put aside their differences to take on one last case? Find out in this four-part Good Society RPG miniseries brought to you by Story Brewers Roleplaying and Friday Afternoon Tea. Let's meet our cast. My name is TK Johnson, and I'm the chaperone who guides the Cluett sisters through a dark romantic journey. Find me on Twitter at TKJoinsTheFray or as part of the disastrously unfunny Indoor Recess Crew. My name is Lisa Penrose, and I play Henrietta Cluett, the eldest sister with a dark secret inside. Find me on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Lisa Penrose. My name is Eugenio Vargas, aka DM Jazzy Hands, and I play Harriet Cluett, the middle sister and member of the clergy. Find me on Twitter and Twitch at DM Jazzy Hands. My name is Friday Elliott, and I play Edwina Cluett, the youngest of the Cluett sisters, with a scandalous reputation and dark and twisted aims. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at FridayTea, and on Twitch at FridayAfternoonTea. Brace yourself. It begins. The year is 1815. The town is... Honeyfield. In the late spring, as flowers and leaves are beginning to sprout like jewels, the day is May 13th, a Friday, and Count Simon Craddock is marrying his third wife, not a month after burying his second. The blushing bride is your childhood acquaintance, Moira Ashton, and while she seems overwhelmed with joy at the prospect of marrying the love of her young life, something seems amiss and almost sinister about the rushed nuptials. Let's go ahead and get into the story. It is an uncommonly sweltering hot day. You can feel the crisp cotton of your undergowns, your shifts sticking to your necks, collarbones, underarms, lower ribs, all the fanning in the world, all of the pomanders and perfumes in the world cannot hide the fact that this is a warm late spring day, which is very interesting since typically there's still a bit of chill in the air on these days in early May. The church, more of a chapel really in Honeyfield, which is only about a 300 or 400 person town, depending on the religious holiday, depending on who's come to dinner. The chapel is nearly full to bursting, and though Honeyfield does not typically house the genteel or the nobility of England, it commands its own sort of respect here, mostly landowners and agricultural barons, landlords. A carriage pulls up to the chapel, and you can see from among the crowd, how it opens, and a woman in white, with her large sleeves and an almost Grecian and almost a Hellenic styled dress, 
with the empire waist and the gorgeous, almost an iridescent silk that cascades down her arm. She has a wide-brimmed hat and veil covering head, neck, shoulders, and the upper waist. One delicately gloved hand upon an older man's hand, and you see Inspector Ezra Stewart, the bride's uncle and guardian, begin to lead her up the steps so that she can prepare. She is not quite in her wedding gown yet, but it would not do for her husband-to-be to see her. There are three young women watching from the crowd. But who catches her eye first as she begins to enter the chapel? I feel like Henrietta is standing a little bit behind Harriet and Edwina, leaning against a wall. Not really proper posture for a young lady. And just rolls her eyes as Moira and Ezra exit. Without looking at my twin sister at all, without breaking eye contact with the bride-to-be, Hattie just says, Henrietta. I straighten up, kind of straighten up the front of my dress that is wrinkled from my posture. I still can't believe she's getting married. Just, it's months. Months after Carolyn, dear Carolyn's passing. She's happy, Henrietta. Look at her. I agree, it's fast. But we owe her a bit of happiness, don't we? I mean, we've known her for so long. Right. Known her for so long. Still, seems suspicious to me. Something weird is going on. As far as I can tell so far, something mundane, so nothing too exciting. Don't get your hopes up. Edwina, listening in on her sister's conversation, kind of snaps her fan closed. Ladies, it's a party. Don't worry, something exciting is going to happen. Whether it's, you know, a mundane everyday kind of a wedding or whether there's something mysterious going on, there's bound to be at least good food and eligible young men. Edwina. (sighs) Now you say that, Edwina. You say eligible young men, and you sort of see the back of an older man's ears go a little pink, having overheard such scandalous talk at the wedding. I do have to ask, did any of you bring a chaperone to the wedding, or are you merely in one another's company? No chaperone for Edwina. I think as a member of the, ostensibly a member of the clergy, I think Hattie has decided that unless Henrietta has someone else in mind, that she will be Hattie's chaperone for the day. Oh, that makes sense. Um, I think I was How does Hattie feel? our parents to be our chaperones or to be attending the wedding, but they, they weren't here when we arrived. No, it it is very strange that they would not have come to this, even though from what you know, you haven't been in town for very long, but from what you know, Count Simon Cradock is indeed the richest man in town. It would not do for your parents to not show up. 
And already you can hear the murmur of rumor. A couple of people sort of look over their shoulders at the three of you. I feel like I just agreed to Hattie being acting as chaperone because, well, first I probably laughed. I was like, (laughs) okay, yeah, sure, you chaperone. But also I probably arrived as late as possible to join everybody. So I was just like, okay, well, there's no time to find someone else if, if our parents aren't here. I don't think Edwina thinks very much of chaperones. Uh, Edwina is pretty much comfortable traveling on her own here and there and doesn't really mind what people think about that. She's uh, wealthy enough that it doesn't really matter what she does. I think Hattie is aware that Hetty is not a huge fan of the idea of me being her chaperone and only cares a little. <laughs> not that she doesn't care about her sister, but like, this is our relationship. I do things that need to be done, and because it's the it's the reverse of the way we were as kids, I think, if I remember correctly. <laughs> How did the three of you arrive at the wedding? Mm-hmm. I arrived separately, super late, and I'm probably the first thing I was like, "Where are our parents? I need to talk to them." Well, I certainly uh, arrived very early and in a fine coach, and I haven't really bothered to talk to very many people. I actually think, Edwina, uh, I probably came with you, but the coach ride was likely quite quite quiet. <laughs> and since we did not determine this during our session zero, and because this is the first time the audience is getting to know each of you, let's describe ourselves. Ooh, outfits! Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, when you are whispering among yourselves and the rest of the crowd seems to watch the bride and then their eyes catch on three young women that they have not seen in town for some time. What do they see? Let's start with Edwina because she arrived first. Edwina, as she descends from her fine carriage, is clothed in an elegant gown that is made of fine silk, the highest quality an unusually high quality uh, for her birth and station the last time anyone in town saw her. The cloth that she's made of, the dress is primarily a sheer enough um, kind of shade of gold that it is just verging on inappropriately (laughs) off-white with an inset of kind of a deep scandalous red. Would you say that Edwina's gown looks more... Not garish, but garners more attention than, say, a bridal gown would? I certainly would. Yes, Edwina is here to be admired. All right, yeah. Let me make a note real quick. We'll move on to the second person who came. No. Uh, so I think Hattie arrives in a very simple sort of gray frock. Not uh, unflattering, but it's definitely sort of... Uh, almost a little utilitarian. She has a rosary that is sort of displayed prominently on the outside of the dress and a small little, I guess, handbag type accessory that very obviously holds a slightly too large for it Bible. (laughs) Hetty, aside from dress, looks exactly like Harriet because we are identical twins, Um, Henrietta being a few minutes older. And she's dressed, I think, older than her age. She's 23 uh, and five minutes. 
She's uh, wearing uh, a dress that looks like it's been worn before, so not a new frock, and uh, maybe slightly out of fashion, but still simple enough that it is elegant and timeless. Of course, one would expect nothing less than that out of the eldest daughter of a family that has perhaps fallen a little out of fortune, but... You definitely wore it well, you wore it with modesty and maturity, and that's what people are looking for at the wedding, so I think that is going to be just fine. Do you immediately go in and seek your seats, or do you disperse? Do you speak to each other? Do you look for anyone that you know? Do you go visit the bride? The first thing I do is, if Harriet and Edwina are standing together even for a moment, is rush up to them and just look, where where are mom and dad? I need to talk. What is this letter of a lieutenant engaged? This is really the sort of thing they need to tell someone in person. Well, congratulations on your betrothal. Yeah, what are you wearing? (laughs) What aren't you wearing? Typical. Edwina is going to just brush off her sisters. She hasn't spoken with them in three years and doesn't really uh, see a particular need to linger now when she might be networking. Plus, there's a certain young gentleman she's hoping to uh, encounter. I haven't seen them, Hetty. I don't think mother and father, she says pointedly, looking around at all of the people who heard her say mom and dad at a fete. She says, I haven't seen mother and father yet today, but Edwina and I came straight here. Hmm. And I just start looking around. Well, maybe they'll show up. It would be strange for them not to. Where's Edwina off to? Some things never change. Undoubtedly, she's off to look for her next mark. No, Edwina, Edwina. She is running off, certainly. But I think it has a little bit more to do with the fact that there is a man leaning against one of the pews. His jacket is unbuttoned, revealing only the vest underneath and, of course, the button shirt, the jabot. But for a, for a formal event, for his jacket to not be buttoned and for the for it to sort of hang open a little bit at the sides. His hair has been combed and then not so stylishly raked with fingers, perhaps not his own because there's a little bruising of reddish lip color around the mouth that he has attempted to wipe away, but it seems to be staining his chin a bit. There is a telltale sign of uh, sharing whispers in a corner, but his eyes, smoky charcoal, catch Edwina's, and Lord Francis Pratt sort of inclines his head to invite her over, and I believe that is you, Eugenia. I believe it is. Ah, yes. Yes, of course. Oh, look who's back in town. Lord Francis, I see you're enjoying the festivities. Lady Cluett. Almost as much as you seem to be. Well, one doesn't waste time at a fete. Well, and you have never been one to waste time anywhere, have you? Not when I know what I want. And isn't that always? You know me well. It's been a long time, Lady Edwina. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I just wanted to check in before 
the fete got well underway. See if you're supplied with everything you might need for the day. <laughs> I I think so, but one hopes there will be a bit of excitement, even for a wedding of the wealthiest man in town. These can be such dull, drawn-out affairs. You know how I love a bit of excitement in my life. Well, goodness knows he's had enough of these. <laughs> it's all kind of rote at this point. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Too much, though. Too much. It sort of looks around. Not really caring, but, you know, for sure. Excellent. Well, you enjoy yourself, Lord Francis, and uh, let me know if myself or any of my acquaintances can be of service to you. He pauses for a minute, sort of stunned out of his playboy facade uh, with that pretty clear offer, not of that, you dirty people watching. And then finally, after sort of uh, recomposing himself, says, um, I think I might just do that, Lady Cluett. Uh, tell me, are you staying at your family's home? Indeed. Well, then I know just where to find you. And Edwina will kind of go and uh, see if she can find a seat, keep an eye on the room. Do you sit on the groom's side or the bride's side? Oh, the bride's side. And how close to the front? Very. Certainly. First or second pew. Family and friends pew. <laughs> That's right. Excellent. Lord Francis Pratt makes note of where you're sitting, and you can see this sort of sly smile that crawls up the corner of his mouth, and there's a glint of white and teeth that are sharp as a knife. What a what a wolfish grin he has. Can he I... leans away from the pew and stalks his way towards the back of the room, flares his jacket, leans one arm over the seat, looks over his shoulder, catches eyes with Hattie and Hattie, winks, and looks back towards the front. <sighs> Hattie and Hattie. You just saw your sister have a very open exchange with a very scandalous young lord. Are you going to try and defuse the situation, or do you have your own plans? Well, she certainly didn't learn manners wherever they sent her. We never really thought she would learn much of anything from them. Edwina will always learn what exactly what she wants to learn, and not a bit more. Or less, to her credit. I suppose. Should we sit, or... I'm... I'm feeling like I might want a word with this Moira. I mean, our childhood friend Moira. <laughs> yes, th thank you, Hetty. I, I do know who Moira is. Uh, go have a word. I'm going to have a seat, hopefully somewhere between Edwina and Lord Pratt. <clears throat> well, save me a seat, will you? And I kind of just wander through the crowd. Y'all, I just okay. realized that we named that man Lord Pratt. How perfect. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> yes, we did. I, it did yeah, not occur did. to me until this very moment, and I love everything about it. It was it was an incredible choice on our part. <laughs> Let's uh, go with Hetty real quick. We're going to follow her out of the chapel and upstairs to where the, the bridal suite has been set up. This is typically the acolyte's room in the chapel, where they... they help the priests prepare for the the service they store a lot of candles up here and uh and several of the old hymnals but today it has been cleaned up and there is a there's even a, a waist-high mirror for the bride to admire herself in i'm going to 
walk just into the, just past the door and like knock lightly uh, on the, well, mm-hmm. would the door be open or closed? It is closed. Okay, well, I'm going to knock. But not, but not like sealed or anything, just closed. Okay. Yeah, you, you hear a, oh, oh, I'm so, oh, uh, uh, Uncle Ezra, could you please? And you hear the heavy footfalls of Inspector, of Inspector Ezra Stewart as he approaches the door and he he sets a hand on the handle pulls it open just a little bit to peer outside there is no recognition on his face when he sees you he finds it difficult to open the door because Mm -hmm. henrietta's hand is on it and you see her struggling because her arm is kind of keeping the door closed a little bit until finally Mm -hmm. letting go and under her breath she says i have to have this conversation henrietta I'm I'm sorry. Uh, the service will begin shortly. Um, we still have prayers to get through. Is there something that I can do for you? Um. Oh, Inspector Henrietta Cluett. My lady Cluett. It's been. Look how you've grown. I remember when you were just just a little girl. I remember you and your sisters, you would chase me around on all my cases. Yes, a long time ago. I'm a different person now. You, the things you saw, they could do that. Yes. Is there is there something I can do for you? Is there... Well, oh, Moira will be pleased to see you. Uh, do you yes, I was hoping to have a word. Uh, he, like, opens the door, like, about halfway and then um, looks at the two of you and... I kind of just look at him. I'll be... Uh, I'll be just outside. And he slips through the door and closes it fully. I turn to Moira. Moira, it's... It's been so long. Too long. I'm so glad you're here. And she turns around and you can see the buttons that have come from the mid-back all the way to the tailbone. And she turns around and she's just a vision in this gauzy white. But there is a... There's something about it. It it is ethereal and ghost-like in its wrappings and you would almost think perhaps it is a little too funerary for a wedding gown you look just like well i just wanted to to wish you well and i'm going to walk over to her and just like clutch her hands in mine maybe too tight yeah her white gloves sort of crease a little bit under your hands and uh you can tell that these are not necessarily these are gloves not meant to be touched by bare hands at all because the oil of the skin will rub off on them and leave fingerprints and she sort of like looks very uncomfortable and winces but there's there are tears in her eyes where she's trying to struggle between that oh my very expensive gloves or (laughs) or oh the person i haven't seen in over 10 years are you happy I'm the happiest that I could be, Hetty. Does he treat you well? He treats me better than anyone's ever treated me. And what they say, what, you know, rumors and, and, and whatnot, they don't worry you. Hetty, you were never one to care about rumors. I just, you don't think it's strange. It's too fast. Carolyn was very sick. She had a fine constitution. I hear. I would know I was her nurse in her last days. 
but I'm just glad I could be there for him. Yes. And I abruptly let go of her hands. You let her hands go so hard and so fast that she actually topples a little bit in the chair. She has to restudy herself. Oh dear, is your dress too tight? Oh, I, uh, no, just a, a dizziness. Um, it comes upon me sometimes. It's all right. It must be the heat. I know I've been gone for a while, but I remember of something just, I'm just worried. I'm your friend, your childhood friend, and I worry for you. And something just doesn't add up. But if you're happy, if you're sure. Of course, you, you always fretted so much. And that's what I loved about you, Hetty. But everything's going to be all right. Once we, uh, and she sets her gloves to her forehead for a second and sort of wobbles. And she, once we're married, he's going to take me somewhere that's going to be a little better for my constitution. You know, it can be so stifling here. Hmm. It, uh, but it's all right. It seems strange that the partners of this count, who I haven't, I haven't met yet, and, but I look forward to having a word of congratulations with him it seems strange that all his wives should should suffer she takes her veil and she sets it on top of like her where she, her hair has been done up in these like elaborate sort of diadem and curls and she takes the scarf of it and sort of wraps it around her throat very loosely and then thinks better of it and tightens it a little bit more and she sort of plays with the silk for a second, and then... I'm sorry, uh, the nerves must be getting to me. I wish I could... I wish we had more time, but that's all right. I'll see you right after the reception. I'll see you right after. I'm going to reach just, like, kind of under my skirt, kind of near my ankle, and there I have a flask mm -hmm. uh, there, and I'd like to... Offer it to her and say, liquid courage. She sees the flask. What's it made of? Uh, What's it look like? Tell me about this flask. I think this flask, I actually, with Hetty, she's not fancy, like Edwina's fancy. Uh, it's probably just very simple, unadorned. Okay. Yeah, she she sort of looks at it and she sniffs it a little. And then she, she takes Glove's hands and sort of like, Tips it to the lips, tips it back down, like, as quickly as possible and hands it back to you. She's sort of like, you could tell where she's, like, holding a little bit in her mouth, but then she, like, has to swallow it very quickly and she just sort of coughs a lot. Um, you hear fingers at the door, like a knocking sound. And, uh, is everything all right in there? Yes, I was just saying my goodbyes before the big moment. And I'm going to take the flask and just kind of, like chug a little bit and then yeah. put the top back on hide it again and just congratulations her eyes are wide with admiration <laughs> when you chug it as you tell her congratulations and you get up to move towards the door it occurs to you that the man's voice on the other side of the door was not inspector ezra oh instead it was a uh, it is a voice with a spine a young voice definitely masculine with almost a, a sort of military discipline to it and when the door opens you see the golden curls of lieutenant levi lockhart 
as he stands at attention next to the door with his his coat buttoned all the way up, his cravat very rigidly arranged. And uh, he sees you and he snaps to attention and averts his eyes away from the bride. Uh, Friday, I believe that's you. Oh, yes. <laughs> Lieutenant Levi Lockhart. Miss Henrietta. Lady Henrietta. Uh, oh. Lovely to, to make your acquaintance. I believe we are... <laughs> betrothed to be wed <laughs> yes what circumstances we find ourselves in and i'm like trying to like maybe i got my fan and i'm just like blocking my booze breath <laughs> <laughs> the lieutenant straightens his tie very clean cut uh wide-eyed naive <laughs> i'll offer my hand a kiss on the hand <laughs> is offered May I escort you down to uh, to the pews? Oh. I believe the ceremony's about to begin. Yes, I guess. I guess suppose that would be appropriate. It's nice to meet you in person. I've only seen pictures, read letters. Indeed, and yourself, you're even more lovely in person than uh, than your parents indicated. I mean, not to say flatter. That you're. I, w- I was told that you were very beautiful, and you are. And you are even more. So, shall we? Let's. And I'll kind of interlock arms with him. And goodbye, Moira. Good luck. And just kind of shut the door behind me. Inspector Ezra Stewart is nowhere to be found. Presumably, he is welcoming people and telling telling them to go ahead and take their seats. Moira has been left alone in her bridal chamber. Um, we go sit? Yes, I believe Hattie... Or- Harriet, uh, my sister, uh, has saved me a seat and hopefully one for you as well. Uh, your sister, uh, I believe I saw her as we as we entered today. She uh, she resembles you strongly. Yes, well, we're twins. Ah, we get that is. so much. <laughs> Great, and we'll go and walk down and and find our seats. When you walk down to the pews to find a place to sit, uh, you do, of course, see Edwina sitting in the second pew, traditionally (laughs) reserved for family of the bride. Now, granted, Moira won't have much family as Inspector Stewart was her guardian and her uncle and her only family that is living. But leaning over the pew as though to speak to Edwina, but with his eyes further down the church, is is another man of the clergy who has arrived along with the priest to officiate over the wedding. And this man of the clergy has this sort of stormy dark hair with a streak of silver along each temple and a scar under one of his eyes it has come up into the eyebrow and leaves this milky countenance but he wears it well there's something about it that makes him look not foreboding but formidable when the two of you enter he turns fully towards you shoulders toward you and walks swiftly down with his cane but he passes both of you and makes a beeline for patty I believe this is you, Lisa. Ah, Father Cyrus. Harriet, so nice to see you again. Father Cyrus, I didn't think we would have the honor of seeing you here today. Oh, how have you been? Keeping myself busy. (laughs) That's good to hear. Practicing, well, 
Yes. Yes. Yes, of course. But I'm I'm glad that you made the trip today here to celebrate such a joyous occasion, Hattie says, somewhat unsure. He's going to lower his voice and kind of lean in, um, perhaps uncomfortably close. (laughs) I can sense that something in your voice. You've always been very astute, very tuned in to frequencies that others do not sense. There's something off to you, child. And you have always been able to read me like the Bible, Father Cyrus. (laughs) I... Have you seen Lucian Knight today? So strange of you to, to ask that. I've seen in passing in the crowd. We should discuss this further, perhaps elsewhere, but Lucian came to me not long before I arrived and uh, had some concerns about today, beyond, of course, the understandable, uh, oh, I don't even know how to describe what poor Lucian must be feeling, seeing his his former lover here to to be wed. Uh, but, um, but it was concerns. more than that. So beyond concerns of the heart, concerns of something other. Concerns of the spirit. Uh, for now, uh, it might just be the, the uh, meanderings of a broken heart, but perhaps we should, uh, both of us, keep all of our senses alert this, e- this day. This, and she sort of takes a breath, joyful day. Joyful indeed. I will keep an eye out for this Lucian, uh, and if I see him again, I will direct him your way. Absolutely. And, and, and uh, we can all speak uh, at a later time, but we're, we're here to celebrate, and we wouldn't want to um, pull attention, and Hattie sort of looks around, from the events of the day. I've been like really close this whole time. I will back up. <laughs> Which I think anyone else would be really uncomfortable with, but I think Hattie's used to it with Father Cyrus. I think like it's fine for her, but if anyone were to see us, it might be a bit odd. Yeah, she says, um, let's, let's enjoy the day. I'm sure Lucian is, is uh, suffering from a broken heart. Nothing more. And I have some duties to perform today, I believe. Oh, have they called you back to, to assist in officiating? I'm presiding over the... Oh. Uh, the ceremony, yes. Oh. Uh, I admit I was a bit surprised after, you know, everything that's happened. Ah, but you've um, been such a spiritual leader and, and Moira uh, undoubtedly has fond memories of your services. And for that, I am grateful to be a part of such an occasion. Um, I will be off now. It's truly a joy to see you again, Father Cyrus. Do take care. And I hope that you will, you will stay a while. The town misses you. It's nice to be back. We have some business to attend to, my sisters and I, and, well, I don't know. We'll see what happens once that is concluded. Okay. And I think, uh, I think Hattie will, <laughs> our, our, uh, <laughs> Hetty and, oh, I've just blanked on his name. Edwina. Edwina. Uh, well, Edwina's been sitting, but is Hetty back by this point? Yes. With, Okay. So then I will Lockhart. I will see her and thank you and Lieutenant Lockhart and, and go join them. Hetty, do you and Lieutenant Lockhart sit together for the ceremony? Oh, 
Oh. Um, well, I guess that'll depend. I will walk over to where Hattie is and through a gritted teeth smile, say, this, Hattie, sister, this is my betrothed who you wrote to, about, to me about in a letter, Levi Lockhart, my sister, Harriet. Did you save a seat for me? I did, Hetty, and then I saw Father Cyrus and, and came to greet him. And, um, well, let's let's go. We should check on Edwina anyway, and perhaps the seats are still there behind her. Uh, Edwina is sitting at the front. And uh, Hattie just starts walking down the aisle towards the front of the church. I feel incredibly uncomfortable walking down the aisle with Lieutenant Lockhart. (laughs) (laughs) How does Lieutenant Lockhart feel? Uh, Lieutenant Lockhart is kind of fumbling over himself to, to try to bow and make his own introduction, but without interrupting the two sisters who clearly have things to discuss of a sisterly nature and is just generally trying to be dapper and and uh, and gracious while completely out of his depth dealing with multiple women at the same time no idea will how to he, handle himself will he offer to sit with hetty oh absolutely or will he follow her lead uh I, yeah he'll he'll follow her physically <laughs> down the <laughs> aisle if she wishes to walk but physically walk behind her just kind of trailing along <laughs> like a wide-eyed disney puppy dog and and it lingers uh, at the edge of the pew is just like should i <laughs> yeah, yeah trying to follow her lead while also trying to do what he thinks like a young gentleman and a newly decorated officer of the military ought to do when presented with a lady who he's supposed to marry so it's a mess <laughs> A whole mess. Oh. The first two pews. The first pew is reserved for family. The second pew is reserved for close friends. And then the third pew is reserved for everybody after that. There are a couple of people sitting in the second pew and only one person in the first pew as Inspector Ezra Stewart will be giving Moira away. So. Oh. It's, it's just Edwina in the first pew. Oh my gosh. And then, and then there are plenty of seats in the second pew. I guess I, do you want, should we sit next to, what is she doing? Um, oh, Let's oh. sit in the second. Mm-hmm. Right yeah, behind her. We'll behind, sit behind Edwina. Mm-hmm. Well, hello, Edwina. What a prime seat you've chosen for yourself. Well, when one attends an event, one wishes to see the event well. And you know Moira and I have been close since childhood. She's one of my dearest friends, and I certainly wouldn't want to miss any of the any of the show. I didn't realize you kept in touch with people in town. I certainly haven't heard from you. Well, you know, you've been a little difficult to contact Hetty. Where were you last? Not difficult. You just contact Hattie. I find my ways. I pick up my messages. <laughs> There's only so much one can rely on you to actually get your messages. I didn't know when you'd even be around. How was I supposed to stay in contact? And yes, Moira and I have remained quite close. Mm. Oh, I I see Lieutenant Lockhart just like awkwardly standing at the edge of the pew as I've sat down and started like ignoring him and talking to my sisters. And I'm going to not pat, but just place my hand at the seat next to me, suggesting that he could sit if he wanted to sit, but not suggesting that he do, and say, ah, 
the second pew reserved for close friends and just look at him and see what he does. I think Hattie is watching him just as closely with no judgment or opinion, just watching to see what he does. Sure. Yeah, Lockhart's going to nervously kind of straighten up his his jacket. He's wearing his his military finery and uh, sit down next to Hetty, but really like perched on the edge of his seat. Like he could get up and run away at any moment, but he's there. (laughs) Okay. Lieutenant Lockhart sits at a respectful distance (laughs) with Hetty under the supervision of her chaperone. My younger sister. (laughs) (laughs) Who's a member of the church? Nobody's going to fool around in front of a nun. <laughs> well, well. Edwina. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Oh, heavens. Like, Edwina seems like the type to specifically seek out a nun. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, wait, we can't, we can't until the bells ring for mass. I've gotten some letters from Edwina that were meant for someone else. And really, I just think that's how she gets her kicks. Uh, oops. <laughs> I just imagine Edwina came to visit you once and she never came to your room. She never came to any of the food or anything. The only reason you know she came to visit is because she fell out of a confession box. <laughs> the convent of the Weeping Rose was never the same. <laughs> they're like, okay, all the confession boxes have open doors now. And then they're like, wait, that didn't <laughs> that doesn't work. work. <laughs> Edwina's ruined it for everyone. It's like, well, I guess we're Protestant now. (laughs) (laughs) No confession. Amazing. And do we even want to know? No. No. (laughs) They just find Edwina passed out in the baptism (laughs) font. I'm sorry. This has gotten... This is is Uh, no longer Jane Austen. (laughs) Well... It's Jane Austen after dark. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) You know, those lost manuscripts. (laughs) All right. So the wedding gets underway. Unless any of you had anything else to add? Anyone you wanted to speak to? So is Lucian actually staying for this ceremony? Lucian is there, but he's on the groom's side. Well, sure. I, that's a choice. Uh, <laughs> and he is not he is not in the close friends section of the groom's side. Cool. I'm good in that case. Yeah. He is sitting near the door, um, <laughs> as far back as he can be from the actual altar. Father Cyrus takes his place at the podium, at the the front of the altar, and the steps have been covered in sort of a a dusting of roses are not necessarily something that this town can just afford to toss around every time they have a wedding. However, these ones were imported specifically, and you see these white roses that have come up all the way from the end of the chapel until they start turning pink and then a deep blood red at the altar. The doors to the chapel close and there is a hush over the crowd. Sort of this thrum of energy that the three of you are the best attuned to, especially Hattie. And you feel almost this chill on such a a summer sultry day, a sultry, sweaty summer day. And the groom 
takes his place with long strides, closes hands with tapered fingers, one over the other, and stands to face the crowd, this chiseled jaw and an almost fox-like face, these eyes, sort of a, an amber gold. He takes one hand and sort of brushes a curl of this dark sort of sable black hair behind his ears and he smiles and addresses the crowd for a moment in a way that is unlike what you would typically do at a wedding typically the groom does not speak unless spoken to but he says i would like to thank you for coming to my wedding i understand that this is not a, a custom that is common, but the woman before me, my wife, has brought me such joy over these past months. She has truly warmed my heart and set my blood racing. I hope that she is content to spend the end of her days with me. The bride has already begun coming down the aisle to sort of chorus of young choir members. And you can hear them singing a, a collection of psalms that, if heard closely, resemble some verses from the Song of Solomon. She stops at the end of the aisle and, oh, she's a vision, this ephemeral being. Her white roses are handed off to her caretaker, the inspector, and he raises her veil and kisses her once on her forehead. And Hetty, you can see that she has a, uh, a sort of pallor that has come over her. Not so much that bridal glow. The alcohol she had had pinkened her cheeks when you saw her, but there is no pink in her cheeks now. And the scarf is wrapped a little bit tighter around her throat. Ezra sits next to you, Edwina, and for a moment you see him wipe a little sweat from his top lip. And his eyes sort of dart to you and then away. Father Cyrus carries a flawless sermon and officiation for the wedding. And before you know it, the groom has bundled this bride up in his arms and planted a very passionate kiss upon her. And she throws her arms around his neck with this wild abandon, as though she would drink his life out of him, as though he were all she needed to breathe. He puts his arm under her knees and carries her out of the chapel. And the rest of the room is sitting there, stunned, as though... They weren't entirely sure what they saw. You were all at the same wedding, but it seems there's almost a spell. And then it's over, and everybody is getting up and milling out and on their way to a reception. Let's go ahead and close this chapter and get ready for the next cycle. So, Good Society has narrative chapters and then in between as part of a cycle there are different uh, little stages that you go through the first stage is the reputation phase 
So this is where I mentioned that we should have the family background handout. So these are in the play materials that are on the Story Brewers role-playing website. If you go to the Good Society section and you kind of scroll down to the second half of the page. So what we're looking at is the gain a positive or negative tag sections. So my family background is ill-reputed. So I gain positive tags if I act in the service of duty or morality in a way that compromised my desires, acted in obedience to society's conventions despite considerable hardship in doing so, or made a sacrifice or denied my own desires to show you're not like the rest of the family. And if I did one of those things, then I would gain a positive tag to my reputation. Tags being fun little mechanics we can use in the game instead of dice rolls to make things happen. I don't think I did any of those things, though. The negative tag things are acted in contravention of society's conventions, acted on desire in a way that compromised your duty or morality, or publicly defended any member of your family. I wonder if offering, bringing a flask and offering the bride a drink was perhaps uh, acting in contravention of society's conventions. I don't know what the group thinks. Well, so here's my question about this sort of thing. Like, how much does it matter how many other people observed these things? Or is this just more of a personal thing? More of a personal thing. It's kind of oh, then what yes. you think happened. And, oh. <laughs> then absolutely. <laughs> um, let's see. The negative tag examples they give are, so these are adjectives that you would use to tag or describe your character. The examples uh, for ill-reputed are immoral, irresponsible, ruined, indebted, or unpredictable. I don't know if I'm necessarily those things. Maybe irresponsible or maybe like lush might be something. (laughs) I think I'm going to add lush as a negative tag for myself. And so how this comes up in the game is that I can call on one of my negative tags or anyone else can invoke one of my negative tags and use it to make something happen in the game, make the consequences to my having that negative reputation. Um, So uh, do folks remember what their backgrounds were? Yeah. Mine is clergy. And I don't... uh, Hattie was pretty, like, take in... The lay of the land uh, in that scene. So I don't I don't know that I gained any tags, positive or negative, in that particular chapter. Yeah, I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. What about Edwina, though? <laughs> Laud. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, so Edwina <laughs> is of the new money uh, background. Nah. <laughs> nah. I did none of these positive reputation things even a little bit. I did act in contravention of society's conventions, 100%. I acted... Yeah, you did. I really did. I acted in an uncouth, low-class, or vulgar manner. I was pretty openly familiar with a man who is known to be a rake without a proper chaperone at hand. Oh, true. Not having a chaperone at all. Yeah. You didn't have a proper anything. I'm improper across the board. That Um, could be the tag, (laughs) just improper. Yeah, improper is a good tag. Now, my question is, do we get one negative tag per (laughs) bad behavior? Or or is it just one? I think that's kind of up to... Oh, I think it's just one. Okay. Let's just do one. Otherwise, (laughs) we would have like a million. And then (laughs) we would have to invoke another mechanic. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Edwina's like, how many naughty points do I get? <laughs> Pretty much. So wait, what did we just say that I was taking on as a tag? Improper. As Improper. A tag. Unless you want a different adjective. Okay, totally up to you. Oh, I kind of like uncouth. That's just like Ooh, yeah. fun to say. It's, it's a chewy word. I like un- uncouth. Uncouth. Chewy. Uncouth. Yes. yes, I'm taking on uncouth. All right. So those are our reputation, the reputation phase. The next phase is rumors and scandals. So from our session zero, we have a few rumors already. They are, we were involved in the crimes we investigated, uh, including some serial murders when we were child detectives. Uh, the other rumor is that our house, Cluett Manor, was haunted to heck by the victims of the children's investigations. So the first thing we do is that those rumors have been spread. They are now no longer spread. So I will uncheck that. And we take turns. You can either make a new rumor. And this isn't your character making a rumor. This is part of shared storytelling. This rumor could come from anywhere. Um, You can either make a rumor or choose to spread a rumor. Rumors that are not spread will eventually fade. So let's start with Friday. I think the obvious one would be to spread a rumor that, um, gosh, what's his name? Lord Simon? Count Simon. Yeah. um, That he murdered his former brides. Count Simon murdered his former brides. Eugenia, would you like to make a rumor or spread a rumor? I think, because we, we each get two things, right? Yes, well, so, we the order is going to go Friday, Eugenia, me, and then it's going to bounce back. Got it. So for my first one, I actually think I want to spread the rumor that we were involved in the crimes. Okay. I think the fact that spread we are all it. back in town and all being seen together, I think just revives all of those old rumors for us. I want to spread a rumor, or to create a rumor that Count Simon is a supernatural being because he has total vampire voice. Honestly, that voice was a total accident. I had no voice for him. <laughs> oh, and so I was like, the Count from yeah. Sesame Street. I just, I just started Nailed talking it. and I was like, I guess this is it. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. And then as my second turn, I'm going to spread that Count Simon murdered his former brides. And I feel like that is potentially even Henrietta spreading that rumor after she's had a little bit too much (laughs) to drink. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, let's be honest. If this were like the first episode of a show, everybody watching the show would be like, this is a little much, right? Is he... He's a vampire, right? Like, this white, white flower petals going into red. Like, is it's is vampire? But it's a Jane Austen novel, so. That's right. Eugenio, what is your second? So I think uh, my rumor then is that the Ashton family is, is uh, how shall we say, falling behind a bit on their religious obligations. So how do we put that into a rumor? I want something about the fact that Father Cyrus was there. Right? So I'm I'm happy to have you all help me like oh, word because, this. Okay. Because like, Father you Cyrus think it's strange that they picked Yeah, Father that Cyrus? like since he has since he is no longer technically the the whatever, the vicar, right, yeah. in town. And he is not the vicar in town for lots of reasons, not all of them hundred percent savory. The fact that he was there, I think, starts a bit of a gossip. Yeah. So maybe it's that um 
has fallen out of favor with the church. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's great. And then Friday, would you like to create or spread a rumor? Uh, I'd like to create a rumor and I'm going to completely change direction from what we've been doing and go totally petty and um, create a rumor that that's not Hetty's natural hair color. <gasps> Edwina 100% started, but it's like Harriet has the same hair yeah, color. Totally. <laughs> so funny. She thought we couldn't see her roots. Oh my gosh. Okay. What? She left a patch of gray down in the bottom. It's just like, mm-hmm. <sighs> old maid Hetty. The last phase before we jump into some more role playing uh, is the uh, epistolary phase. So letter writing oh, phase. God. So your character or your side character that you play can write letters to somebody. And you can either just describe or even read to us like a little excerpt of the letter. And you can do up to two. So does anyone have one? You want to go, Friday? <laughs> I want you to go first. I'm still okay. formulating the language. <laughs> oh, me too. Here we go. Uh, I think <laughs> Hattie is, you know, in the bustle of the reception and everything. We don't get as much. I, she doesn't get as much of a chance as she would like to talk to Father Cyrus. So I think Hattie is going to write a letter to Father Cyrus after that display. My dearest Father Cyrus, it was truly a joy seeing you today at the nuptial fete of our dear friend Moira Ashton. It was wonderful to see you at the altar officiating again, though perhaps one might wish it were under slightly more uh, typical circumstances. It seems that perhaps our mutual friend, whose last name I've forgotten, our mutual friend Mr. Knight, uh, may have, in fact, uh, been on to something. I think it best that you and I keep all of our senses alert for the remainder of my family's stay, of my sister's stay here in town. And perhaps you and I can meet to discuss these things further, perhaps even with Mr. Knight. Be well, take care. Uh, and take care is sort of written, like clearly there was a little more pressure on the quill uh, and it's underlined. Take care, and I do hope to see you again soon. Fondly, Harriet Cluett. Friday, did you have one in mind? Yes. Yes, please go. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, a a letter from Edwina to a to one Lord Enoch Skeffington. And um, I'm sorry. Do these letters? Question. Do these were these letters written before or after the wedding? Is this between chapters or is this whatever you that... like? Mm, okay. Great. A letter to one Lord Enoch Skeffington from Edwina Cluett before her arrival in town. My dear Lord Enoch, three years have passed since I last laid eyes upon your face. At the time we last spoke, showed favor to my sister above myself. I hope that in the time that we've been apart, you've learned to embrace the more worldly ways of, <laughs> of the younger sister. And, uh, and I hope that you and I won't regret the time that we encounter each other again in the near future. See you soon, Edwina Cluett. And yes, that's very clearly a threat. She wrote it in red ink. Oh. A lot of flourish. 
See you soon. The signature. See you soon. Why? Like drips a couple red ink splotches on the paper, and then kisses it. (laughs) Um, Hedy's letter is written in sort of sporadic-looking handwriting, not the neat lettering that she learned. Uh, as a child and it almost seems like the hand is changing a a couple times throughout she writes um, my dear Carolyn I'm sorry that I left you is this what your wedding your nuptials were like so strange so odd I if only I could have been there for you if only circumstances hadn't prevented it but I will get to the bottom of what happened. And the letter is left with flowers on uh, Carolyn Locke's grave. Carolyn being the late wife of Count Simon. All right. So during this... Uh, Do you have another letter, epist- you? I, I actually would yeah, love to... During the epistolary, everyone writes two letters. So... Including me. I, oh, oh including you. Oh, okay, because I was just about to use a resolve token to I'll ask my, you for a letter. No, it's okay. Yeah, no, don't... You don't have to. I can do it, but... Go ahead. Tell me what your second Well, my second one was going to be the other uh, epistolary mechanic, which was to request that I receive a letter from okay. Lucian Knight. Okay. If yep. that's cool. <laughs> that that was one of the ones I was going to do. Oh, great. Well, I should yep. sit quietly until you're done with that, and then I'll come up with another thing if you would like. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody have one in the meantime? I kind of want to get a cutie letter from Lockhart. Okay. Aww. I want to send a cutie letter from Lockhart. <laughs> okay. Do you want to you wanna go ahead and use your second letter to send a cutie letter? That was my plan, yes. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> What's your cutie letter say? My cutie letter says, my dearest Hetty, but then the my dearest just kind of awkwardly scribbled out because it was too forward. Uh, <laughs> Henrietta. <laughs> um, my heart soars when I imagine getting to lay eyes upon your face for the first time. Your radiance has been described to me in such words. I can't imagine finding a bride more suited to my current position and the openness of my heart. And I believe we have a long and happy life ahead of us, full of flowers and love. Oh, God. <laughs> Your dearest, and then scribbled down. <laughs> Lieutenant Levi Lockhart. Oh, he's so sweet. I feel bad. Because Hetty 100% opens this and is like, oh, the, the youth. <laughs> I want to hear TK's letters. All right, so the first one is from Lucian Knight, and it is written in a shaky hand. It has been written in an ink that needs to be squeezed with a little lemon and held over a fire to read. Oh. And it is in a, a cipher that needed to be broken before you could read it. And it says, Sister of the Weeping Rose, my time is short. I fear that he knows that I know this truth. I will meet you tomorrow at sunrise. There is no time that is safe during the evening. The catacombs are our only hope now. Signed, LK. I'm way more upset about this than uh, than Hattie is. Hattie is like very matter of fact about this letter, but holy 
bananas. So that's my first letter. Uh, does anybody have second letters? I'm good with my, my cute letter. All right, then I will go ahead and send a second letter. This letter will be a letter also for... Uh... Oh, I lied. I'm a liar. Liar who lies. Uh, this letter will be for Edwina, but it is signed... It is, it is on stationary of the Black Academy, oh. which was a finishing school that Moira attended and that you are very uh, familiar with. Mm -hmm. This comes before the wedding. And Madame Sylvia Black has written to you. It says, Young Miss Cluett, it has come to my attention that your sister has for some time been ensconced in bribery and blackmail. She has stolen a good amount of my hard-earned money, but I know her secret. When you come to town, ask me about Lord Cornelius Owen. <gasps> and it is signed, Black. Uh-oh. Ooh, I'm gonna fold that up and keep it someplace secret, someplace safe. All right. So that those are all my letters. Anybody else? Oh, you know what? I haven't done a second thing since you did a Lucian thing on your own. So I'll send Edwina a letter from Lord Pratt that says, um, Eddie, great seeing you today. Let's catch up sometime. Drinks, perhaps with a bit of spice. Signed, Lord Pratt. Uh, what's his first name? Lord something goofy, Pratt. Francis. Francis, Francis. that's it, yes. Uh, no, it's, you know what? It's just signed, uh, Fran. <laughs> Scandalous. Not Frank? No, Fran. <laughs> Not Frankie? Fran. <laughs> Fran. Fran. Fran Pratt. Fran Pratt. Lord Pratt. When you receive, yeah, when you receive this letter, what kind, what, what, is it on st oh, stationery yes. or like the back of a, a newsletter? It is, no, it's on stationery because it's absurd that this man used a piece of gorgeous, heavyweight stationery to send oh, yeah. such weight. a like tossed off whatever letter. Mm -hmm. When you open the letter, there is a smell of like, sort of like fire and don't say it <laughs> don't boyfriend shirt <laughs> fire and lawnmower clip. yes it's like a bonfire it's like very much a boyfriend candle smell oh and you know what else he included in there he has gotten his hands on a very fine stick of cinnamon that he also just tossed Ooh. in the envelope yeah i see mm -hmm. i see him i see mm -hmm. bran it's okay. not subtle. I imagine spice is like in all capital letters, mm -hmm. and underlined, and in like quotations. <laughs> yeah, and there's a heart over the we eye. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there is. If emojis had been invented, there'd be like eight winky yeah. faces. Eight winky faces. <laughs> Did anybody else have any more letters? I'm good. All right. I think that it's okay for us to go ahead and get back into the novel chapter. Yes. All right, so we can decide whether this is an event, a visitation, or a split. If it's an event, this is something that all of you are attending, like weddings, balls, dinners, receptions. If it is a visitation, your characters are going and meeting people. That's a little bit more like splitting off to do your stuff. Or we can do a split. I'm kind of down with it being an event where we're all attending uh, okay. for now. 
Sure. I mean, there's still the reception. Unless there were specific things people wanted to do. Like, I don't know if Harriet wanted to... I mean, there's... There's lots of things that Hattie needs to do. So, I, I mean, I don't know. It depends on sort of when, TK, you want this next scene to happen. Because I do apparently have a meeting in the morning, so. Okay, let's say that it is, he got married, they got married on a Friday. Let's say that there is a garden party reception later that evening. Perfect. That you're all looking to attend. And we are in the later, we're in the later hours of the garden party. Pretty much the who's who have all shown up now fashionably late. Mm. And it is in a, it's not a hedge maze, but it is an apple orchard that is like strung up with like, (laughs) shaped like a maze it's like a hedge maze with like apple orchard uh trees just like strategically placed um there are little stone benches and there are these sort of paper lanterns that are hung from the branches of the apple trees that are just beginning to blossom because they will not be fruiting until much later in the year but for now their little pink and white blossoms are reflecting this like uh hazy light from the lanterns beautifully it has not really cooled down since the sun went down. And so you still like have like this small haze of perspiration. I assume you all changed clothing. What are we wearing? I feel like I had to recycle my dress so I haven't changed. Okay. I don't think I have any interest in changing, so I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I certainly did. <laughs> I'm just asking. I'm just asking because, like, you certainly sweated through your clothes, like at the ceremony. Oh, even better. Then I did change into another one of the exact same outfit. <laughs> the exact same. The uniform. Exact same outfit. The wimple pins on the other side. Yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Mix it up. <laughs> yeah. So Edwina is now in a a different gown that is also silk. Everything is silk always. She's laced some pearls in the hair. And um, the bosom is perhaps a bit more zhuzhed. And maybe there's even at certain angles a flash of ankle. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'll say, because this is like an actual historical thing that some Regency gowns would do. So some Regency gowns, their underskirts that were the... the the slips would cinch at the waist so you could just like draw the string up a little bit and so the gauzy outer layer would show like your ankle bones without showing like full ankle and it was like i'm not showing it what kind of shoes is she wearing hellenic was very in so sandals would not be out of place fantastic let's go with definitely some sandals what material Ooh, I don't know. Something with like, she has to show up the bride again. So Definitely. something with like maybe some like mother of pearl yes. insets. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. Something that's that's bright and, you know, just enough to show up the bride. When you see your sister Edwina dressed like this, Hetty, do you change anything about your outfit or? I imagine I change into another sensible secondhand gown of course but i am going to comment to hattie where is edwina getting the money for such luxuries aren't i'm engaged to (sighs) lieutenant lockhart because our family is under financial ruin like and yet she can we can see her ankles for goodness sake 
believe me, she's not getting it from me, or from mother and father. I... It's Edwina. Isn't it better not to know? I don't see why I have to be the one who saves the family by locking myself to the Lockhart family. I know, dear, I know. And, And look, we have other things to address during our visit here, but... You took such good care of us when we were young, Hetty, and I'm doing my best. And if I can find a way, you know that I will. Well, at least the ceremony's over and the party's about to begin, and... Do you want a drink? We should get drinks. You know what? Yes, Hetty. I think that is exactly what you and I need right now. I'm going to grab Hattie's hand and start, like, dragging her through the crowd to find uh, wherever the drink table is. Okay, great. If we can get drinks, like little, like, punches or whatever, I'm sure it's, you know. And then I want to take Hetty over to, like, one of the orchard trees and sort of step behind it so we're not immediately obviously visible to everyone. (laughs) I'm going to reach into my handbag and pull out my Bible. I'm going to open the Bible and just start flipping through and just sort of out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching Hetty as I like flip through the Bible. I'm going to get two drinks, one for (laughs) Hattie and one for me. Drink mine and then refill my cup before I go over to Hattie. Amazing. So when you get to be, you see that I'm flipping through and paging through and I'm on revelations and then I keep paging and there are a few blank pages after revelations and then i finally turn one very thin onion skin page and at the back of this bible there's another chunk of empty pages that have been cut out with a flask in the middle of them oh you are my sister i am your sister and i tip a little into our drinks hetty does a genuine smile and right before I take it, right before you take a sip, I like stop you and I grab my rosary and I say, Ave Maria, grazia plena. Don't, no, I'm just kidding. Have a drink, Hetty. <laughs> oh, and I tip it back. That ceremony was very strange, right? It seemed strange. Yes. Yes, it did. And I think we need to ask Edwina about it, too. You and I have always, well, I have always sort of noticed things, and when I pick up on things, you pick up on things, and, and, but I just want to know how obvious it was. Do you think that anyone else noticed how, I mean, the decor, but do you think anyone else noticed the peculiarities there, particularly at the end? Well, I feel like many people noticed Eddie's peculiarities. Well. But you're right. Let's ask her. If she could notice something other than herself, then we're on to something. I really want to respond, but I am still now the responsible sister, so I'm not going to. Uh, so we can go look for Eddie. <laughs> Great, and I think I think at this time Eddie has kind of been trying to trying to eyeball the situation and see if um, Lord Enoch has made his way in here, and you know if there's any if there's anyone else kind of of note. Um, I'm curious to talk to Enoch. I'm curious also to talk to. Who is it? Madam, what's her face? The spooky one. Black. Oh, Black. Madam Black. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, as you are. As I, you are wait, I want to spend crowd. a resolve token. Sorry, go ahead. <gasps> yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I want to, I offer, I don't know who I'm offering this to. I guess I'm offering it to TK or maybe Eugenio. I want us to, on our way to Edwina, in full mm-hmm. view of Edwina, 
for us to bump into Enoch's uh, <gasps> Skeffington and for him to have an interaction with Harriet. Can I, uh, I, technically, yeah, technically that's a resolve token for me. Yeah. I was just okay. like doing the, I yeah. was doing the math in my head. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay. So that, that is my, my token now. Okay. I you. offer you a resolve like token. Thank you. Oh, goodness. As the two of you are making your way back from the orchard, uh, um, how much have you drank? I have not had that much yet. And to be honest, Hattie didn't put a ton in her drink. She's, you know, she's she's and no Hattie, is but... Is it just wine? No, I think it's it probably is like... Sacramental wine. Oh, God, not <laughs> I think... No, I do think it's a spirit. Uh, so like, probably... Holy water. <laughs> That's what I say it is. That's what I call... If Holy anyone water asks... Is just... Yes. Holy water is just 120 proof vodka. Right, right. Yeah, if anyone asks, if anyone ever sees me with it, I say, oh, it's my, vi- it's my holy water for reasons. But I think it's probably just, you know, gin or something. Could you imagine, like, if it's just like high proof vodka? Oh you're like, God. it's holy water, you just splash it in someone's Set it face. on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Amazing. This has to be... This this is our Chekhov's gun right now, yes. and it will come back in the fourth episode, in this in the finale. Write it down. Okay. Buffy Chat that. Says I already vodka, and I'm obsessed with that. Vicar vodka. Uh, I already have Hattie has a Bible flask, and now I'm just gonna add that it's you know ever clear. In I there. can't believe that in my notes I wrote the str- I wrote the sentence Hetty and Hattie sneak into the orchard with drinks from Hattie's hidden Bible stash. <laughs> It's so like, good wow. so far. Uh, all right. Containing Everclear. Got it. All right. <laughs> As the two of you step from the orchard, deciding however you wish how much you drank, the haze of the reception has absolutely set in. People are talking a little bit more freely. People are mingling with parties they didn't necessarily come with. We're starting to get into the early hours of the morning oh. where... The golden hours. This is the hours where rumors and scandal are born. And Hetty, as you begin to sort of veer off a little bit from Hattie, you become aware of like a warmth almost not quite edging its way in between you, but your back collides with somebody else's back. As a man who is walking in the in the same direction as you, but facing the opposite direction, sort of collides gently with the two of you. And he he spins around and, and attempts to catch both of you before either one of you tumble to the ground. And uh, and you see that he has removed the formal gloves that he wore for the ceremony and he is no longer wearing his jacket, only the vest and the sort of crisply pressed shirt uh his jabot as well his um tie is completely loosened when he when he sees the two of you you see that his ponytail has sort of come undone and he i i am so sorry i uh, lord skeffington hattie lord skeffington uh harriet i hi uh, uh it's well i suppose not a surprise to see you here. Uh, how are you finding the evening? You can see that his pe- his cheeks and his nose are a little pink. <laughs> um, and he, I um, beautiful ceremony. I just I wanted to celebrate the newlyweds. I should get, I should get going, but it's 
It's so good to see you. Of course, of course, it was lovely to see you too. As he starts to walk away, perhaps uh, louder than strictly required, Hattie yells, Oh, and thank you so much for the flower, Lord Skeffington. His shoulders go rigid for a moment. And when he turns around, there is this sort of look upon his face. It's almost a sly smile. Oh. Oh. And he comes back to you. And it's like he he takes like very slow steps. When he gets to you, you can tell he's a he's a very tall man. the The point of his shoulders are about at your forehead, and he makes a show of cleaning up his jabot, tightening it, and then redoing the cuffs of his sleeves, and says, "Be blessed, Sister Harriet." I'll see you at Mass. Lord be with you, Lord Skeffington. And also with you, Hattie. Mm -hmm. And he walks away. I want to retcon something. Yes. Because we got all sweaty during the ceremony, I want to have borrowed a dress from Harriet so we are dressed the same. (laughs) And when when we got bumped, Mm. Harriet dropped her Bible and I picked it up. Yes. And now I would like to spend my monologue token to hear what's going through Edwina's head. Yes! (laughs) This is, first of all, incredible. (laughs) Um, I can't believe that you've stolen Hattie's boy or Hattie's boyfriend. Um, In that case, I think that he originally flirted with you, but once he walked away and... Hetty said the flower thing and he turned around and realized that he was seeing double and the other one said something. That's when he got very like. Oh, I love that. Assertive with it. Possibly because he might have thought he was he was being tricked somehow. Oh. Oh. Um, well. But in a playful way. Sure. Okay. So monologue. <laughs> yes. <token. laughs> okay. So as Edwina is watching this interaction between her two sisters and um, Sir Enoch, the man she has decided is hers from childhood. (laughs) Edwina saying to herself, I sent that man a letter. I could not have possibly been more clear. And that heady, She knows exactly what she's doing. And she always thinks that she, just because she's the oldest by minutes, she thinks that she can just have whatever she wants, no matter whom gets hurt. She has no idea. She has no idea. She has no idea what's gonna, what's coming for her. Smile while you can, Hetty. See you take my man again. I'm going to, I'm going to (laughs) die. No matter who gets hurt. I'm going to have to kill him. <laughs> that man is dead. <laughs> All right. So Enoch runs into the two of you, which leaves Madame Sylvia Black to sort of, as Edwina is lounging around the punch table and sort of lingering like a little barfly, she hears a <laughs> behind her. Miss Cluett. Ah, Madame Black. And before you is this... A sort of almost miniature woman. She's probably tall in her prime, but age has 
made her bones a little spongy. And so she couldn't be much taller than five foot one. Now, she has her hair in a very tight bun that sort of like lifts her forehead away. And so her eyebrows, what's left of them as they have whisked off, are, are, are always like in this perpetual surprise. She has the smallest rimmed glasses you've ever seen, almost dime-sized. And uh, she is rather myopic, though it's it's hard to tell whether... She is squinting because she is glaring at you or because it's difficult for her to see you. You remember being terrified of this woman in your youth, but not so much anymore. And she is wearing, of course, a widow's gown, as she wears to all occasions at all times. Madam Black, I uh, received your letter. Thank you for reaching out. It's lovely to hear Quiet, from you, you fool. Don't want her to overhear. I beg your pardon for exchanging familiar, friendly words. I can come visit you at the school tomorrow. Of course. That's when I would expect to see you, not here flouncing about. Well, that's when I would expect to see you, so make yourself available. Is she, like, glares at you again, as though she's not entirely sure how to answer because the last time you talked back to her you were probably 11 and she sort of like grumpily grips the sort of crystal head on the black cane that she carries and then she she turns abruptly on a heel and stalks towards inspector stewart yeah there's there's not enough finger food here you're going to have everybody inebriated she carries on in that direction for good measure, I'd like to glare at Ezra as well, that Inspector Stewart. Uh, Ezra sort of, sort of like looks over his shoulder at you, and you can see he's got this very beleaguered host's face. Ezra was very much like a sort of beat cop whenever you were children, but now he's gotten to the point where he's he's more of a commissioner. He does a lot of desk work. He does a lot of community service, and honestly, uh, it's very past his bedtime. But he's he's been attempting to usher people out of the reception for hours, and it is not working. So when you do glare at him, he's just... What do you do, right? <laughs> he does approach you after uh, she, she carries off to the side. He says, Edwina, you look uh, good. Well, thank you. I'm fully 19 now. Wouldn't have guessed. You still look you know, young, I, I meant more. And, and the way that he speaks, you know, that he, you knew growing up that Moira, all of her, all of her inheritance was from her parents. She went to a fancy school because her parents passed, et cetera, et cetera. But her uncle was very much a laborer, very lower class. And so he, the way he speaks to you, it's as though he still believes you're a child and he's not entirely sure how to speak socially to, like, a lady of your standing. Did you have an enjoyable time at the ceremony? I did, thank you. It was a lovely ceremony. I appreciate any gathering with so many flowers. Yeah. It was, um... And he, he furrows his eyebrows and his eyes sort of crinkle at the corners. It was, um... Hmm. Exactly like the two before it. You attended? 
The two before? Everyone attends those. Well, I suppose I was busy off making my debut and becoming an educated, grown woman. It makes sense. It, you know, you've got a lot of things to do, obviously. And honestly, you know, I was going to say once you've seen one, you've seen them all, but you really have. It was exactly like the other two. The same flowers? Same flowers. The same dress? Same dress. Hmm. In fact, Count Craydock paid for everything. He provided everything, so... Do you know the Count well, Inspector? No, he's a secretive man. Hmm. Moved here about, I want to say five years ago. And how did he and Moira come to meet, if you'll refresh my memory? Oh, um, she's a nurse now. Uh, mm. she was, she was Carolyn's nurse before Carolyn passed. Interesting. <laughs> Moves yeah. on quick, I see. It was very quick. Mm. And that's all he says. But I think even now, there is, there is a code that you are communicating with that you used when you were a child and he was the detective liaison for your child detective troop. It was very quick. Mm. It see. could mean anything, everything, or nothing. I see. Well, pleasure to see you again, detective. Uh, stay in touch. Uh, you, you and your sister staying long? It, well, one never knows. You know, one travels where one is needed, and we're back for, for the foreseeable future. Good. You should, uh, you should see if you're needed here. We'll ask around. Thank you, Inspector. Oh, maybe discreetly, you know, people still... I do nothing not discreetly. <laughs> Discretion's my middle name, Inspector. Didn't you sit in the front pew with me? Yes, and well noticed. I see you're as sharp as ever. <laughs> He's like adding discreetly two plus two in his head. He's like, en enjoy the wine, Edwina. Not too much. Obviously. I already am, Inspector. Uh, and make sure that uh, you have, make sure you travel in groups. Strange times in Honeyfield. Hmm. Noting. Strange times. And he uh, stalks away. Eddie! Eddie! Eddie? Here, have some of, um, I'm still holding um, Hattie's. Um, Hattie! Uh, <laughs> Bowl. I'm just like, oh, well, okay, weird. Um, uh, I have some of this Bible juice. And I kind of block my body from the rest of the, the party and pour some into your drink. Hattie definitely comes up and is like, Hattie, I'm sure she's had quite enough and takes the Bible from you. But thank you what? for picking that up. What did you think of that ceremony? I have been hearing the strangest rumors at this reception. Well, I was speaking with Ezra. You know, we were always quite close. He's always thought highly of me. And, uh... He seems to think that there's something very strange afoot. He said this wedding was exactly the same as the two previous. Down to the details. 
Did you notice anything strange about particularly the end of the ceremony? Well, I mean, my Moira has never been known to be weak on her feet like that. She looked like she could barely hold herself up. It was embarrassing. She seemed very pale. No color in her cheeks. Not like I left her when we spoke right before the ceremony. You spoke with her before the ceremony? Of course. Well, I guess you're closer than I knew. Not what did she too close, but... She said that she was very happy. She said that the Count treats her well. And she said that Carolyn Locke, his former wife, was very sick. Now, I... I hear, through others, of course, that Carolyn was never sick a day in her life. You know, that Locke family constitution. I hear. So, it just seems strange. Harriet, what do you think? You've always had that sort of sixth sense. I think that it is no coincidence that the three of us were all able to return for our dear friend Moira's wedding. I think, as they say, it might be time to dust off the old spy glasses, ladies. I think there is mystery afoot. Hedy, I think, if you can, we should find out more, perhaps, about Carolyn's last days? And, uh, Eddie, well, um, perhaps uh, if you already had some information about the previous weddings, you could find out more about the Count? Of course. Do you remember Lucian Knight? <sighs> Fantastic fashion sense, well-poised, dapper, That's lover the of one. the Count. That's the recall. one. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I heard from him. I, I don't want to uh, influence your uh, opinions on whatever it is that we discover, but I received communication from him and uh, have a meeting uh, in the morning with him to discuss the events. I, as I say, I think we may be back, sisters. You must find out anything that you can from Lucian. The Count, maybe even Moira herself, have something to do with Carolyn's death. I am sure of it. Um, And his previous wife, whatever her name might have been. (laughs) Surely you don't suspect Moira, Hetty. We've known Moira for, well, well over a decade. Right. Childhood friend. Good Moira. I just know that Carolyn's death was no accident. I feel it in these bones. Loath as I am to agree with Hetty. I mean, surely surely your your powers of observation are as middling as they always have been, dear. But I have to say, in this case, I think she's right. I And I agree with you, certainly, Hattie. Of course. This bear's looking into. Sort of taking Hetty's hand very discreetly and just giving it a little squeeze, I say, well, then we are agreed. We have work ahead of us. Another case for the Cluet sisters. <laughs> do we remember how? Surely well, it's like riding a bike. Some of us do. Never learned. Great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that's chapter end. Why don't we do some upkeep? All right. So for those who spent monologue and resolve tokens, all of those reset. I think that's me. Boop, boop. 
For those who didn't spend monologue tokens, here is your opportunity to, if there's uh, a character or side character from whom you'd like to hear. It's meant to be, so we, we monologue one of the characters that the three of us play, yeah, either a major character or one of our side characters? Yes. Okay. okay. Although, I mean, if we want to make TK monologue, I'm, <laughs> I wouldn't I'm down hate for... It. If Wouldn't folks hate want it. a moment too, I'd uh, also we would be like cool. a we'd like a Simon Cradock man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's he doing right now? Yeah, right. <laughs> villain monologue. What's he doing? What's he doing? <laughs> villain? What? Why do you think there's a wedding? <laughs> a wedding. I'm know. kind of interested in hearing what's going. I mean, I already spent my monologue token actually, oh. so never mind. <laughs> I want a heady monologue. Oh, okay. What's like what anything in particular or just what's going through her mind right now? Ooh, I want Yeah, just what I want to, I want whatever's going through her mind. I just want to know. What's going through Hetty's mind right now is you're biased, you know. Surely there's something strange happening but moira would never do anything she's too kind you don't know that she was her nurse who else could have been poised to poison or harm or just hurt carolyn in some way it's true but her but the count we should focus on the count Something strange about them. I feel it. Tell Hattie that I feel it. Hattie will confirm and shush you. I, uh, at the very least, being stuck in the body of a 23-year-old girl, at least it would be a detective. At least I can get to the bottom of my daughter's death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some really good, like, Schmeagol Gollum vibes there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like it so much. All right. I love it. Who else has any uh, monologue? I have tokens? I have one left. We've already gotten monologues from Hetty and Edwina, so I'm looking at the side characters that we all play to see if I want Father Cyrus or uh, Lieutenant Levi to give us anything. I wouldn't hate a, a little monologue. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Lisa, from Father Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would do it myself just to cap it off, but I don't think we could use monologue tokens on ourselves. So. Oh, I mean. You didn't get to monologue at all. So if you want to do a monologue, either as Francis yeah. or I, I was going to say that I wanted to God hear what Francis. Hattie. Yeah, I, I can do. Okay, I can do a refund for Hattie this time around. Then Hattie at is this is sort of her little moment after we disperse from the party. She stares after Hetty, and just pretty short and sweet. What she is thinking is Agatha knows something. I'm gonna have to put off that exorcism. I think that's it. Oh damn. <laughs> oh. Thank you for listening to episode one of The Haunting of Good Society, a Behold Her Studio miniseries brought to you by Story Brewers Roleplaying, the makers of Good Society, and Friday Afternoon Tea, blender of evocative teas for thirsty nerds. If you want to help make Behold Her podcast and productions like this happen, head to patreon.com slash beholdher to pledge your support and gain instant access to the session zero of this very game. All our dastardly plots and darkest secrets can be yours. Till next time. Bye.